If I say Christmas love story, probably 60% of you immediately thought Hallmark Channel. Christmas love story, Hallmark Channel, 482 movies with one plot. It's amazing. This morning I want to share with you the original Christmas love story. And we're going to do that by looking in John chapter 1. John starts his gospel all the way back before the beginning. And so I want us to look at the original love story because it speaks of the origin of love and the origin of Christmas, the original Christmas love story. Look with me in John chapter 1. We're going to begin at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. I wish we had time today to to flesh out what that word, word, means. It is the the Greek word you may have heard, logos. It's the word that we get our word, logic, from. It's a word that means meaning, that means purpose. It, it, it's a word that describes uh, the, the coming of being. And, and there's so much here that I wish we had time to, to really delve into just that one word. But understand that, that when it says that the, in the beginning was the word, it's speaking of the origin of all things. It's speaking of that power which spoke creation into existence. The Word, in this case, the Logos, is the Son of God, is Christ. Notice, it says, in the beginning was the Word. In in other words, Jesus, or shall we say the Son of God, did not begin in the beginning because in the beginning he was. You see, he has always been. There is no beginning to God. There is no end to God. He is the eternal one. He is the infinite one. So in the beginning, he already was. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, it says, with God. It speaks of a union within the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are with one another. And as we understand we are created in God's image, we are reminded that God is three in one. He, he is relational, and so are we. That's why he chooses to bring his people together into one body that we call the church. He is relational, and he created us to be relational. Therefore, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. But not only do they have relationship one with another, but The three make up one God. It says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Make no mistake that that little baby that was born on what we call Christmas, that little baby that was born in that manger, they didn't have room in the inn, and so they get he's born in a barn. That little baby, 100% human, completely human in every way, was also at the very same time the very Son of God, completely divine. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We find there such a beautiful description of the word who was in the beginning. But who is this word, and what does that have to do with Christmas? Well, we've read the first four verses in order to make the connection to complete the Christmas love story. We need to jump down to verse 14. If you're still in John 1 with me, look at verse 14 real quick. Because it's speaking of the Logos and continuing, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Look at that. The Word became flesh. He was that power which spoke all things into existence, the Word, and yet he has become flesh. The Almighty One has, has, has stepped out of glory and into humanity. The Word became flesh, completely human. He took on human form and became human. Why? In order that he might be with us. You see there in verse 14 again, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt is a great word because it takes the word tent and it, it makes it a verb. It says he tented with us. He tabernacled with us, if you want to use that term. And it reminds us of the Old Testament when God was with his people in the tabernacle. And as they would wander through the wilderness, he would go with them and he would say, okay, now let's stop here. And they'd put up the tent and they knew God was there in the tent with them. And then he'd say, okay, guys, it's time to move again. And they'd move again. And when they stopped, they'd put up the tent and God was right there in the tent with them. If you remember, they, he told them how to set up camp. The tent would be in the middle and all the tribes would be surrounded. So he was in the midst of them, among them. And that is what happens when it says the word became flesh and tented, tabernacled, dwelt among us. Remember, the Bible tells us that, God's, that, that when God sends the Messiah, Messiah's name will be Emmanuel. Matthew describes for us what that word means. Emmanuel is God with us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Man, it must take a whole lot of love to be the power that speaks all of creation into existence and to, to, to sit on the throne of glory. It must take a lot of love to leave all of that behind just to live among people like us. Imagine the love that must motivate that decision and that action on his part, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. You say, well, how did they see his glory if he was in the flesh? John is the one who records seven amazing miracles that took place while Jesus was, was in his everyday ministry. Now, there are a lot of miracles John refers to that he healed a bunch of people and did all these things, but there are seven specific miracles that he tells the story about seven specific times in which God's glory was revealed in these miracles. 
And so John now giving testimony later on after living through that and seeing it, he says the word, the logos, God the Son became flesh and dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. He hung out in our neighborhoods. And when and we have seen his glory, we know who he is. He he was the it says the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That, my friends, is love. It is the original Christmas love story that he would come to be with us. Just absolutely amazing. And we learned that early on that God loves us with that kind of love because the first verse that you probably ever learned told us the Christmas story. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Notice it says that God so loved the world, and what that means is that that's the motivation for his giving his son. God so loved means that he loved the world so much. If you and I were writing this in English today, we would probably rearrange those words, and it would say, for God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. For God so loved that he gave. You see, that's how you see real love. Real love is not expressed in words. It's not experienced in feelings. Real love is expressed in giving. Now, I'm not talking about money. I'm saying real love is not worried about what can I get, but it's worried about what can I give. Love is the sacrificial commitment to the well-being of another. Love is the sacrificial commitment to the well-being of another. Notice that nowhere in there did I say anything about feelings. Feelings come and feelings go. Feelings have very little to do with real love. So when somebody says, I love him so much, I just want to be with him all the time. I say, well, that's wonderful, but you're not to love yet. Because if you listen to what you said, you said, I love, so I want. That's not love yet. That's infatuation, maybe. That's a great and wonderful feeling. And all of that's good, by the way. None of the, nothing wrong with that. But you haven't reached love until you no longer say, because I love, I want. You reach love when you finally say, because I love, I give. For God loved the world so much that he gave. But not only did he give, he gave his only son. Now, you and I today, now that Jesus has come and died on the cross and paid the penalty for human sin, now you and I can be adopted into God's family, which is awesome. But we are adopted into the family. He only had one son. And he gave that one son for us. The only thing that would make someone do something like that 
is an amazing love. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that now whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. How does that work? Well, you're adopted into an eternal family. And when you're adopted into an eternal family, you get to take on the family trait, and that is eternal life. God loves us an awful lot to make all that happen. There was a different children's pageant one time, that, the, but it was very similar to this. They, the kids were dressed up as wise men, and some of the kids were dressed up as angels, and some of the kids were weren't quite sure where they were or why they were there. It was a lot like a lot like most children's pageants. And just like the one we saw this morning, they reached a time when they all had little letters to to hold up. And when they let lift up their letters, it was to spell out Christmas love. And the, the volunteers had it all worked out ahead of time. They had handed out all the letters, and the children knew when they were supposed to lift their letters, and it was to say, Christmas love. And when it was time to lift the letters all at the same time, the little boy in the seventh spot had his letter upside down. Nobody noticed until they lifted their letters, and all of a sudden, instead of Christmas love, the message was Christ was love. And that is the point, isn't it? That is the original Christmas love story, that God loved the world so much that he sent his own son. Christ was an expression of God's love. And even today, we experience that love afresh and anew every time we think again of the manger, every time we sing a Christmas carol, every time we have a Christmas party, we, put on the, we turn on the lights, we listen to the music. It's all a celebration of love that somebody loved us so much that Christmas was created, Christ was born, the Word became flesh. A little bit later, John, who wrote this gospel we're looking at, wrote some other books. He wrote a letter that we call First John, and in that he continues his same testimony and he said in this the love of God was made manifest among us to make something manifest is to make it obvious it's to shine a spotlight on it it's to make sure everybody sees it out in the open in this the love of God was put out there in the open for everyone to see that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Beloved, Christmas means a lot of things to a lot of people. And most of them are good. Whatever Christmas means to you, 
make sure that today you know that above all things, Christmas means that you are loved by an almighty God. Know that this is not a general blanket kind of love that he throws over the whole world. But the God of all the universe knows you personally, individually, and he knows all of your faults. He knows all of your craziness and your silliness and your messing ups. That's a real word. And he loves you anyway. The next time you hear somebody say, Merry Christmas, I hope you'll hear God loves you.